Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au So good to be in church this morning. Are you glad you're in church? Come on, it's amazing. Amen. Well, it's a real pleasure uh, to have Pastor Danny with us uh, this morning. Uh, we also have his wife, Sharon, with us today. Would you just give her a welcome? It's great to have you with us. Amen. Um, for those that don't know, Pastor Danny and Sharon were the founding pastors of Edge Church uh, and uh, just a Māori site, Māori Campus Church, and God has used them in a powerful way. Um, uh, sometimes people think that uh, pastors don't go through tough times, which is not true. <laughs> we certainly do. Um, and I just love this scripture that I read this week. Paul said when he went to Macedonia, he had conflicts without, fears within, um, and God comforted him. How did he comfort him? By sending Titus. Titus came along and God used Titus to comfort him. And I uh, believe that <clears throat> Pastor Danny's a Titus <laughs> that God has sent uh, to many of us uh, to be able to comfort us in our difficult times, that through the comfort that he has received, that they have received, they've been able to comfort many people. And we've been blessed by the ministry and the spirit that is upon them. And we're just so glad uh, to have him with us to be able to minister the word today. And uh, would you give him a big, big, big warm welcome uh, as he comes to minister today? Well, good morning, everybody. How are you all? It is always an honour and a privilege to come and be together with you and to honour our God together through the truths that he puts in our lives that are more than just religious beliefs, but they are the things that carry us in all seasons of our lives. And uh, I guess the message I want to share today is very, very simple in its uh, expression but probably not easy to live out. Uh, and yet, with God's grace, I believe the church is about to face the greatest influence the church has ever had in history. I believe it with all my heart. I believe God is not caught unawares of the things that are happening in our world. And we're moving into a season where the church will be unshakable, unstoppable, an activated church, and a patterned church. And while the world thinks that Christianity is irrelevant, we see even over the Christmas period, the desire of our communities to destroy anything to do with God in the message of Christmas. But God is not having a panic attack. He knows what's going on. And I believe as, uh, as we move forward into next year, I don't wanna talk about a New Year's resolution. I want to share about a New Year's revelation. And there's a difference as we get hold of the revelation on things we can do, not just for a year, but for our whole lifetime as Christian believers. Looking back over the last 12 months, talking to a lot of non-churched people uh, who I meet with regularly, and they say all the time, what's going on? What's going on with our world? You know, the world is getting sick of the world. And people are wondering, what about all the chaos, all the confusion, uh, all the reactions in our world? There doesn't seem to be a posture of gratitude in our world right now. People are just fighting for their rights, 
fighting, giving first class allegiance to second class causes. And I believe in the midst of all this as Christians, we could get disheartened. And we think, what's going on? I I talk to Christians and they go, what's going on in God's world, in the church? Well, you know, it comes down to the fact that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. And we've said to God, get out of the way. We don't want your truth and we don't want your life. And then we're wondering why the world's in a mess. He said, I am the way. Either that's the truth or it's a lie. According to Sister Oprah, (laughs) she says you can have any truth. Choose your truth. Uh, There's only one truth. She will tell us that there are many ways to God. I was sitting home yesterday watching a documentary that came on Channel 2 just in the middle of the afternoon where they put, some of you may have seen it, um, where they put 10 Christians, so-called Christians, in a house together for 10 days. And their different beliefs were astounding. It's a bit like, yeah, just believe the bits you like in the Bible, leave the others. And I was sitting there going, I apologise for saying this before I say it. But I'm sitting there thinking, how dumb can you be and still breathe, honestly? (laughs) And I'm watching this and I'm thinking, wow, we've lost our way. We don't believe he is the truth. And then what kind of life are we experiencing? You know, and so I want to share today something that's better than New Year's resolutions. We all make them. About this time last year, I thought I'd join the gym. Nothing's changed, so I'm going down there next week to find out what's going on because I haven't noticed any difference. (laughs) 23% of people within 24 hours of making New Year's resolutions will stop. They won't follow through. They say 43%, according to Google, uh, I looked it up this morning, uh, uh, will be done by the end of January. And so today, you know, someone said a New Year's resolution is something that goes in one year and out the other. So, um, <laughs> you know, but I want to talk about this subject today. What would happen if all of us as Christians lived called? What would happen if all of us would say, I'm on the planet for a purpose? I talk to people in the business world on a regular basis, uh, work with some of them. And some people are totally committed to prosperity. Their whole life is given to prosperity. Other people are just trying to provide. They're just trying to put food on the table. And both seem stressed. Whether it's the person with the prosperity dream and the person with the provision dream, life just seems to suck a bit. But something happens when you live for purpose. When we get hold of a purpose that is a real genuine purpose, not only we will find provision, but we will also find prosperity, but prosperity will be what we need to fulfil our purpose. Someone said to me one time, what's your definition of prosperity? Having enough to do the will of God. Prosperity is just having enough to do the will of God. And so it's been a few years now that I've carried this sense of what would happen to the world if every Christian lived called. See, the call of God is not a pulpit, but every Christian should have a platform. And the platform is the place of influence, knowing that God has put us. If you're a doctor, be a called doctor. 
If you're a school teacher, be a call teacher. And so God is doing a big shift in the church as we move forward into 2024. And I believe there's a new season of discipleship coming into the church where people can discover their God shape and find out why has God got me here? And when you start living like that, you don't work a day in your life. You just live with that sense of God purposeness. And no matter what happens, it doesn't matter. And Pastor Joe talked about the Apostle Paul. And let me read this morning in an opening scripture in Acts chapter 8, an unusual scripture for this message, but you'll get it, I hope, when I explain. Verses 1 to 8, Saul was one of the witnesses and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, and all the believers, except the apostles, were scattered around the regions of Judea and Samaria. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning, but Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. Can you imagine that happening today? I think would say, I think I'll just do church online. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to be bothered even telling people I'm a Christian. All this persecution that's going on. I mean, we saw with COVID what happened. Can you imagine living in this environment? And then verse four says, but I'm so grateful. But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus everywhere they went. Can you imagine that this morning? That if we had a Christianity in the Western world that's saying, come what may, we're going to have a preaching of the good news everywhere we go. No matter what persecution comes, no matter what comes, no matter what life throws at us, we give up so quickly. And yet I believe with all my heart that if we can get hold of this incredible truth of what it means to live called no matter what may, may come, we will live daily with that sense of purpose that will get us through every situation. As I look back over my life, I can't think of a time since the age of 11 where I didn't feel the sense of not being called. I always felt as Christians, we're here to fulfil God's purpose on the earth. I worked in a menswear store, as some of you know, and I mentioned the story one or two messages ago when I was here about how when God called me into the ministry, I got on a school, bu uh, school bus. I got on my bus to go home from work and they used to have bus tickets. Some of you remember me sharing this and you turn the ticket and on the back of the ticket, there was a saying uh, for the day and mine was whatever's around the corner, God's already there. And I remember God impacting me through the bus ticket and I shared it here in this church a couple of messages ago and I received a book in the mail only a few days after I preached here from someone here in your church and sent me this book called Talking Tickets. And it's actually the book of all the sayings on the back of those bus tickets from the early 1940s uh, all the way through and I read the book and I found my bus ticket in there. The saying, whatever's around the corner, God's already there. But listen to this. I couldn't believe it. Between 920,000 and 990,000 travellers 
read the slogans every week. And in the book, there are stories of people who were catching the tram at Victoria Square to go to Glenelg to jump off the jetty and commit suicide. And what was written on the back of the ticket changed their mind as God used a ticket, a saying on a ticket. And this book is full of those tickets of a businessman in Adelaide who decided to live cold. A businessman who said one day, what can I do to change my world? He didn't ask for a pulpit. He didn't ask to preach because we're not just called to preach, we're called to reach. And he says to God, how can my life be a life on purpose? And God puts in his heart to write these sayings and pay for them out of his business on the back of trams, buses and people's lives were changed because a man decided to live cold. I remembered this morning, I hadn't thought of it for years and I was praying at home for this morning's service. And I remember one time Sharon was part of this journey where I worked in Victoria Square in a menswear store. And as again, some of you know, I did sell you some of your clothes. I think some of you have still got them. But anyway, we won't talk about that. You know, doctor said to the patient, have you noticed any change since I've seen you last? He said, no, I've been dressing like this for years. But anyway, um, no, I even got that wrong. So that's OK. We won't go back to that joke. But um, a man walks in one Friday night. Because right back all those years ago, it wasn't a pulpit I was looking for. It was wanting to be used by God to live a called life, to be a representative of Jesus Christ to the people around me. I was only 19 years of age, somewhere around there. And a man walked in and he said to me, there's something different about you. Started talking to me to cut a long story short. It worked out that he was a Salvation Army officer. I only thought of it this morning, who had walked out of Christianity. He walked out of Christianity because the girl he was engaged to decided she didn't want to go ahead with the marriage and called it off and he decides to blame God. And so he blames God for his pain and thought, how can I get back at God? And he becomes a Muslim. Not only does he become a Muslim, he becomes the editor of the Islamic paper here in Adelaide, the newsletter for the Islamic people. You're talking many years ago now. He was involved in government work and part of his work was to deal with the whole halal meat issue and, and there was a lot of corruption going on in government at that time. And, and, and he said to me, I, I, I don't believe in God anymore, I'm a Muslim, but he wanted to catch up and he became friends with Sharon and I. He came over to our home for a meal and to cut a long story short, only a year or two later, my timing's not quite clear, but a year or two later, he began to manifest demonic activity in our home of this walking away from God as a Salvation Army officer and ended up getting totally delivered by the Holy Spirit. We ended up baptising him and he gave his life to Jesus and he came back to, not because I was a pastor, I was just a Christian, just living cold, just living cold. And I got to do his funeral when he passed away a short time later in his 40s of cancer. I wasn't a pastor. And I did his funeral simply because we had pastored him 
in life. And, and I'm not saying this to have a go at any of us because it's hard. But I want to say if we all have a revelation that we don't have to live just a New Year's resolution, but we can live a life that is called, let me tell you, God will lead us. He will feed us. He will look after us and we will experience miracles in our lives that we don't just hear a sermon from a platform, but what we hear from a platform only amens what we've experienced already because we have been living called. And so I believe with all my heart that we're moving, I prophesy today, and I say this is being recorded, that the church is not going backwards. We're moving into a new era of the church where the church is not going to have a difference between the laity and the clergy, but we're going to have every believer empowered. Every believer, you're going to have prayer and fasting coming up. Let me tell you, it's not just to feel His presence. I was in the car with my wife yesterday. I said, quick, write this down. I said, I don't want to just have God in my life. I want God to work through my life. I want God to work through my life. And so just this morning, uh, just some thoughts on living called when we get hold of the cause of Christ. In 1 Samuel 17, verse 29, David is sent out to the battlefield to take food to his brothers because they were with King Saul and the whole issue of Goliath and facing Goliath. And when he gets out to visit his brother, his brothers, the dad had given him food to take to the brothers. It's interesting how people sometimes judge us or judge you, judge me by what's inside of them. And so their whole hatred towards David, for many reasons we can't go into today because of time, they began to attack him. What do you think you're doing? You've left all those sheep on their own and come out here, you're irresponsible. No, he'd left the sheep in the hands of a keeper. He had done exactly what his father had asked him to do. But I love what he said to his brothers when they attacked him in the King James Version in 1 Samuel 17, 29, he says, uh, attacked him. He says, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? What have I done? Is there not a cause? My thoughts today are that there's something inside of all of us that wants to be part of a cause. We look at it in our world today, people that are protesting about all kinds of things, you know, arguing over whether vegans should, uh, you know, destroy meat eaters and, you know, our national anthem had to change its words and seeing people, um, you know, deal with the whole slavery and, and poverty. These are good causes. Some of these are great causes. Saving certain animals from extinction. Cancer research, great causes. A cause gives us purpose. It makes us passionate. It positions us. It prioritises our world for us. Even if there's a price, there is a pleasure in the pain because we get hold of a cause. But when it comes to us as believers, we need a cause that gets hold of us. And when the cause of Jesus Christ gets hold of us, our lives can be so enriched they can be so fulfilling. You don't look for retirement. Someone said to me the other day, Pastor Danny, are you retired? I said, yeah, I got four new tyres <laughs> last week and I'm going to keep going because I'm not working. You see, this David we were just talking about, his dad tells him to go and look after some sheep. So what does he do? He takes his guitar. His father never told him to do that. 
Why? Because David knew that his work could become worship. His duty could become devotion. And he took the extra. As Christians, if we go to work with the extra, if we take worship along with our work, in the way we make someone a coffee, the way we reach out to someone, a little bit of kindness. Boy, there's a lot of kindness missing right now in our world. And sometimes a cup of coffee, uh, opening the door for someone, you've got to be careful these days, they'll think you're sexist. But anyway, you know, it's amazing how crazy the world's gone. But, but when the cause of Christ gets hold of us, it's not just going to church, it's being the church. Everywhere they went, Acts chapter 8. I was in hospital having cancer treatment and I felt challenged by God to study the book of Acts again. And I went through every chapter of the book of Acts and I read chapter 1 about the upper room. We sang it this morning. And I thought to myself, if that was happening today, we would have bus tours to the upper room. You know, we would have bus cups. But, uh, upper room cups. We would, we would have uh, come along and see where it happened up in that room. And there's a part of that that's not wrong, but that room wasn't there to be celebrated as the room. It was the sending place. Often I've heard people say Sunday should be send day, where we send people into being the church in every sphere of life. Man, what kind of church would we be? It's the answer to a broken world. And I've got to say with all my heart this morning, I am spending weekly times with non-Christians and they are more hungry now than ever for God's truth. And while we are being lied to by the devil that the world's not interested in God, no, the world system isn't interested in God, but human beings are hungry more than ever to connect with the real God of the universe. Yeah, give the Lord a hand of praise. Seven postures of the called very quickly. Called people, number one, are consecrated to the call, which is about devotion. We're devoted to God. We're consecrated to the call. It's not like there are, we do have time off. I understand that. We, we have times when we have a break. But you don't go on a break from Jesus He's there all the time, wherever you are, wherever you go. You know, I sat in a cafe with a man who came along to the mission that our son runs. And he said, I just, he's a businessman here in Adelaide. And I sat with him this week. We had a coffee and I said to him, so where you're at? He said, I think I've been looking for God all my life. All the making of the money, all the stuff that's happened, my broken marriage, all those things have just left this hole inside of me. And I said, do you think you're ready? Do you have a revelation inside of you that this is really true? And just started to cry. And so we drove back home to my place and I prayed with him in the car. And then he said to me, how can I get baptised? And you think, you know, it, it wasn't three songs, you know, a real, you know, sort of stirring up of a meeting. It was a, a cafe with people all around us and a flat white. He might have had an almond latte. That might have done it. I don't know. But. <laughs> and you think, can you imagine if all of us... See, if I stopped being a preacher and when I got cancer and didn't think I'd ever preach again, I don't stop being a Christian. <laughs> you don't stop being a Christian. So number one, a posture of the call is we're consecrated to the call. Number two, we're committed to the call. So we're not just consecrated to the call but we're committed to the call through obedience. Tell you what's really set me free. I grew up in the church world, I've mentioned it here before, where bums on seats was really important. 
And the bigger the crowd, the more successful ministry. I've just come back from South Africa and I've been in a church in Johannesburg, uh, Rivers Church. And I was there when that church first started, 200 people. And last Sunday, the Sunday before, and the Sunday before that, two Sundays in a row, I got to speak to 14,000 people. The church has just exploded. And I was telling you that for a reason. But sometimes we see that and we go, that's what we need to see happen. And I really felt God over the last few months challenged me with, don't look for outcomes, just be obedient. Don't live for outcomes, leave them with God. Can we have a church of 50 people and it's healthy? Yes, a thousand, two thousand. Sometimes we're driven by events rather than just be driven by obedience. And when you're driven by obedience, you'll have God incidences where God will show up and, and He will bring things your way. You go, wow, I didn't know that was coming. So number one, consecrated to the call. Number two, committed to the call through obedience. Number three, when we have a posture of living called, there'll be clarity of the call. God will bring His will to you. I don't ever, ever think we should chase the will of God. I think we should chase God and let the will of God chase us. Because when that happens, it's not about us. I never, ever had a day where I woke up and go, I want to pastor my own church one day. I want to do this one day. No, God, what do you want me to do this day? Because you're in charge of the one day, but I've got to be in charge of today in living called. And when you have clarity of the call, I mean, in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8, it's a sermon on its own of a lady who was wealthy. And... The Bible says her husband was an old man. You think, what a great way to have your name in the Bible. She was wealthy, he's just the old man. And she decides one day that she doesn't want the man of God just to drop in for a meal to their house, but that she needs to come and, he needs to come and stay every time he's coming through town. So we're going to build a room on top of the house for the prophet of God. And I remember the first time I read this, you know, that I can remember a year or two ago, I thought a lot of Christians want a visitation from God. They just don't want a habitation of God. She didn't want him just to visit. She wanted the man of God to stay. She was looking for habitation, not just visitation. And she builds a room. And in that room, she puts a table. She puts a lamp and she puts a bed. And I remember reading it and I go, you know what? We need to turn on, we need to build a room for God in our lives where we turn the lamp on of revelation, where the Word of God doesn't become the great suggestion, but it becomes our motivating force in our lives. The Word does its own work, friends. It really does if we let it in. I live my life consistently, Lord, I need to turn the lamp on. I need to get that revelation. But then you sit at the table of preparation because you've turned on the lamp of revelation and then there's a bed of relaxation because when we're in the will of God, there's no burnout. We don't have to have burnout when we're doing the will of God. You know the number of pastors that are leaving the ministry right now because they're hurt by people. They say one thing from a platform that people don't agree with and it's all over Instagram. And I'm talking to pastors in their 40s that are saying, I don't know if I can keep doing this. Well, let me tell you, if there's no lamp of revelation, no amount of preparation is going to bring the rest and relaxation that we need because we are 
trusting the God that's leading us. And I want to tell you, we're moving into a great time of great revelation for the church. I prophesy, I know Pastor Joe would amen this just by the conversations we've had. I think God wants to do something in our city. I think God wants us to train up an army of new leaders. I think there's an army of teenagers coming through that are hungry for the Word of God. They want to know truth. They want to learn the Word of God. And while people are saying the days of the church's days are over, I want to tell you that just beginning, God is building His church and we need to confess that with our mouth because we're living called. Called people continue in the call. We finish the race. You know, if every offended Christian was back in church today, we wouldn't be able to fit people in. People get so easily offended. And I've said it here once before, I'm sure, because I say it everywhere. If you can be offended, God will make sure you do. He will arrange it for you to be offended so, don't, so we don't become offendable. Isn't it great to get to a place in your life that if something's said about you, you say, is it true? If it's true, I'll say sorry and I'll repent because I want to live called. If it's not true, I'll say, look, that's not correct. That's what happened. And then people still choose to listen to gossip. Then you just keep walking with Jesus. And then in time, God vindicates his truth, not my truth, but his truth. It's only his truth. And I've learned at 67 years of age that I used to get all twisted up about things that I didn't need to because you can leave stuff with God and he can take care of it. As long as I make a decision, I'm going to continue in the call. Again, I've shared it here. I'm sure once before that there are three evidences of a disciple. By this shall all men know you're my disciples by the love you have one for another. That's, a, that's a, an evidence of being a disciple. If you bear fruit, John 15 and you, your fruit remains, then you're my disciple. But the, you're bearing fruit, but it also has to remain. So it's continuance. Love, fruit, and continuance are a sign that we are living called because we're continuing in the faith no matter what comes our way. I am Italian, and I do like a little bit of revenge every now and then. <laughs> and over 30 years of ministry, I've been misquoted at times, and I've wanted to fight back. But 30-something years later, those situations have been healed not by me fighting back, but by God bringing conviction to situations that brought about a resolve. Right now, right now, I'm working with churches that are having trouble. And so in working with churches that are having trouble, you've got to come in there and be like the mediator. Someone's not going to like you. And I never, ever thought that I would live to the day at 67 years of age, it's okay for people not to like me. You've got to deal with the fact that not everybody's going to like you all the time. And I like to be loved by people. I love people. I don't want to have a fallout with anyone. But life sometimes brings this about. Can you still live cold and not get bitter? In Western Africa, they found a berry called the, and they call it the gratitude berry because it's a sweet berry that in Africa all those years ago, when people ate anything that was bitter, it would make them feel sick. Uh, meat that wasn't quite properly cooked or whatever, stuff that tasted bitter. So they would take the taste berry, they called it the taste berry, and that they would eat that first and then that would put sweetness in your mouth. So everything bitter that you eat after that sweet berry is going to taste sweet. Do you know we need the sweet berry of gratitude? We need the sweet berry of gratitude. But I'll tell you what, I've just been to South Africa. I've never seen so much brokenness where it's not safe walking down the street. You've got 
riches on one side and absolute poverty on the other, a country that's going downhill in its infrastructure. And I think, I just wish I could take every Australian or every person that lives in Australia, just give them a, a gentle Jesus slap and say, get happy. We live in a great country and we've got a great place. We need to confess the call. We need to continue in the call. We need to celebrate the call. There's a scripture that I didn't read at the beginning and uh, I'll read it now. It's uh, Psalm 40 verse 8. I take joy in doing your will, my God, for your instructions are written on my heart. I take joy in doing your will, O God. And, And friends, this is what's about to happen in the church. I know I'm speaking generally, but we're going from a place, do I have to? Do I have to get involved? Do I have to be a volunteer? Do I have to do the roster? To, I want to. I love to. I get to. Why? Because we're living called. You're not just coming out to help in the kitchen. You're not just coming out to be an usher on the door. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than stand in the tent of the wicked, the psalmist said. And I want to say today, friends, get ready. Because we're not moving into 2024 with a New Year's revolution. Sorry, resolution. But we're moving into a, a fresh revelation of what it means to live call. And then if we celebrate the call, I delight to do your will. Number seven, we will get to complete the call. I want the musicians to come. Thank you. The call of God is about conviction, not convenience. It's about privilege, not price. It's about set apart, not set up. I'm glad that the priests in the Old Testament were set apart. They weren't set up to be in the ministry. They were set apart for the ministry. And I believe we're going to a season in church world where we can't employ people all the time to do jobs that every believer should be doing. I believe we're moving into an era where it's a delight to serve God. It's a conviction, not a convenience. It's a privilege, not a price. It's a set apart, not a set up. And it's entrustment, not entitlement. I'm entrusted by God. I'm not entitled. Nobody does. I don't deserve. Do you know how many years I've been in the ministry? Do you know how many people I've preached to? That's entitlement. And it's horrible. Even saying it sounds horrible. It's a privilege. It's a privilege to share with five people. It's a privilege to be in a cafe with one. And it's a privilege to stand in any size congregation and share the word of God. As I was praying this morning, I don't want to get emotional. I got up this morning, I was feeling quite sick to be honest. I get nausea in the mornings and sometimes it's hard to hear from God when you got nausea. And I felt this came into my heart. I want to refresh tired people. I want to rebuild broken people. I want to give clarity to the confused. And I want to release the restricted. That's what I got while I was praying. Can we bow our heads in prayer just for a moment? 2023, for some of you, it's like you can't wait to see the end of it. And you feel you have no energy emotionally, spiritually, and even physically. If you make a decision today, I'm going to live on purpose, not just for prosperity, not just for provision. I don't want this tiredness anymore in my life. I promise you, I promise you, 
God is here to refresh you. He won't leave you tired. While every head's bowed and every eye closed, if that's been you in 2023, why don't you just slip up your hand, I'll see where it is, and I'll just, wow, wow. Heavenly Father, Jesus, even now, in a moment, as we just worship you, will you do the supernatural work of refreshing today? Pastor Joe said that something could happen today that can change our lives forever. That's not the preach. It's the Holy Spirit's reach. And I pray today, Holy Spirit, if you put that in my heart, that that's true. And I thank you for the hands that have been raised. In Jesus' name, in a moment, we're going to worship. I'll tell you what we're going to do. I'm going to go through these really quickly. And then as we worship, if you feel you want to come and kneel at this altar as an act of trusting God and saying, God, I make it to this last day of 2023. I choose to go into 2024 living cold. I want to live cold. I want to be your hands, your feet to the world around me. There's a few people here today that you felt in 2023 that you broke. You're not just tired, you broke on the inside. And it's like you've got all these wounds still there. And outwardly you're doing okay, but inwardly there's this brokenness inside of you. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, I wanna heal that brokenness. You've had an open wound, but God's gonna stitch it up. And you'll have a scar, but a scar is a sign that you've been healed. If you've walked with incredible brokenness in 23, will you have the courage this morning just to slip up your hand and I'll pray. We'll pray together. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Many more. Thank you. Some of you have found a cloud around your brain, around your head of confusion. You feel like you get a bit of clarity and then everything goes into confusion. And today God wants to bring clarity. He wants to renew your mind. And if you've been in that situation, if you'd like to just slip up your hand, I just want to make sure I've heard from God. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Many, many hands. And the last one was some of you have felt 2023, you felt restricted. You felt like you survived, but you never thrived. And you feel like you were held back and restricted and you felt, I could have done more. More could have happened in our family, in our marriages, in our homes. But I felt this constriction of the enemy around me. If that's you, I'd like you to slip up your hand right now. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Many hands. Heavenly Father, today, you know what's going on in our lives. And I thank you, Lord, that when we talk about living called, it's not just a sermon it's not just a thought, but it's a reality that can release into our lives the power of God's Holy Spirit that we've been singing about today. Lord, I pray as we close this service that there will be a moment in all the hands that have gone up and all those that maybe haven't raised their hands but relate to what's being said, that they will walk out of this room today going, no, I've been living way below what God had for me. God's not trying to push you into doing more. He wants to give more of Himself to you so He can live through you and you can live a life that's called. Can we all stand? I'm so grateful for the Holy Spirit, eh? He knows what we need to hear. It just wouldn't leave me this morning. I felt it so strong and no pressure. You might want to stay where you are and worship, but as we worship, as the guys lead us in worship, I hand it back to Pastor Joe. 
I'll just stay down the front here and pray with as many of you that want to come and pray, even as they close the meeting. And let's just see the Word of God become a reality in our lives today. Bless you heaps. God bless. Thanks, guys. Father, we just uh, thank you for your grace, your mercy. Thank you for your presence. Thank you that you're with us, Lord God. What a great word, Father, challenging us to live a called life, not to just exist and not just to go through the motions of life, but to understand that we're called by you, Lord God, for such a time as this. So use us, Lord. Let that become a revelation in our hearts and our lives that changes the way we see our lives and the things that we do, Lord God. We love you so much, Lord God. We just love you so much. Be exalted, be lifted high, Lord God, I pray. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Not only as individuals, but as a church, Father. Help us to understand the call of God that's on us as a church, I pray. And to live out that calling by your grace and for your glory. So even as we go and as we step into 2024, may your blessing and favour be upon us. Speak to us about the kinds of things you want to do in and through our lives, we pray. And this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.